back in the bunker today. I always like it when the things get fixed. You like it. I like it. Everybody likes it. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that is your cup of tea. And uh, podcast, Gun Owners News Hour, Lock and Load with Bill Freddy. Straight talk, all available on the free Odyssey app. Don't cost nothing. One thing that did, one, one silver lining to this is uh, what, what we've had happen this week in the house is the, the light that it has shined on one thing, and that is the, the biggest albatross the nation has around its neck right now. And most of us are completely oblivious to it. We might pay a little lip service to it and stuff like that. Our leaders sit on their hands. They, you know, they exacerbate it for political expediency, but they just sit on their hands under the impression that the consequences will wait for their willingness to address them. We'll get to this sooner or later. And the cities and the quiet suburbs sit around oblivious to a grim reality gathering overhead. And this is the national debt. $33 trillion. In the promo, I told you, it, it is the equivalent of the economies of China, Japan, Germany, India, and the United Kingdom combined. And the figure gives you a context, but the real challenge lies in the amount required, the annual amount required to repay that debt. Now, just to service the debt, in 2023, the government shelled out $663 billion to service this debt. And remember that you know we were operating at a surplus in 2000 so now we're we have deficits just piling up piling up and the cbo predicts that within 4 years interest payments will exceed defense spending and by 2051 it will surpass even social security and it will become the largest share of the federal budget now the dirty little secret for the leftist while they're out there trying to push all these little things on you is that this is a real existential threat. It and it uh, it hinders any sort of capacity we might have imagined we had to tackle all other concerns including climate change. And our present investment in the energy alternatives not only worsens the debt dilemma but it gives rise to fresh challenges. It escalates short-term energy costs, and by transitioning away from the conventional source, it jeopardizes the resilience of the grid in the long run, the energy grid. And at that point, we might find ourselves financially incapable of addressing that issue if it comes crashing down. We are teetering on the edge of financial collapse. A vital point not really well represented in our shallow political debates. The common refrain is we're passing on a bill to our children and grandchildren. That's 
really quite simplistic and fails to highlight the danger of this situation. This is not the same thing as sticking your friend with the dinner check. This is like jeopardizing their ability to pay for dinner ever again. Now, all of these high interest rates that we see today, it makes it harder to pay for the essentials. That's an interesting text. I've got a text on the text line. Bill Frady, my wife and I can't wait to see your new OnlyFans page to compete with the Minnesota cop, the Detroit cop, the Kansas City teacher. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I haven't been approached about an OnlyFans page. Probably not going to be approached about it either. Hopefully not. Nobody wants me to have an OnlyFans page, trust me. Back to the higher interest rates. This forces the government to par more and more because it makes it harder to pay for the essentials like infrastructure, like national defense, like the entitlements. And those are the three big things they should be really dealing with anyway. But no, they, they've got other things they got to deal, they want to deal with. But it's a vicious cycle. And then one day, the music just stops. It just stops. It's, you know, it, it's, it's done. Just done. And how do they meet their obligations then? Well, if, it, if we're talking about the government, remember this. The government doesn't even produce a t-shirt. So they'll be coming for your pockets. Now, we can fix it. But this means the politicians would have to find something called will. Spinal colium. But how likely is that? Because, you know, this is simple math. This is simple bookkeeping. It's, you know, however you want to phrase it, however, however you want to put it. It's unglamorous. It's not very sexy. And not nearly as fun to talk about as the culture war stuff where there are clear lines in the sand. And the Republicans and the Democrats alike, they're more focused on scoring political points then all worrying about the future of the country. And they cut deals that benefit their own districts at the expense of the nation, which means the other districts, all except for their own. And they pander to voters rather than face tough choices that may threaten their next election. And this political environment is not conducive to the necessary steps to ward off financial ruin. First thing we got to do is try to control the growth of the national debt. We got to do that. That means significantly reducing budget deficits, boosting federal revenue, cutting waste, and prioritizing spending on essential programs. So you got to stop the unnecessary expenditures. Fiscal discipline is required here, children. Second, we need to restructure the entitlement programs, and they are crucial for the well-being of many Americans. They contribute significantly to the problem, though. Finding ways to make these programs more cost-effective and sustainable well, there's going to be there's going to have to be some sort of a change made, or it's just going to be gone. This is often referred to as the third rail of American politics, and politicians are going to have to find the guts to deal with these programs. Then we need to stimulate economic growth, and one way to boost economic growth is to get out of the way, government. Get out, get you know, get out of the government regulation business. There's something out there called the RAINS Act to ensure a fair review of any regulation with an economic impact of more than one hundred million dollars. This would end the reign of unelected bureaucrats who impose costly regulations on businesses and individuals. Fourth, 
It is essential to educate and mobilize you, the public. And when more people understand the real impact of our national debt, and understand this, this is something the deep state doesn't want you to fix. Because they're the ones driving this, right? All of these bureaucrats that are out there, you know, there's 2.2 million federal employees. Only 4,000 are appointed by the president. Does it take 2.2 million people? Does it take half of a state of South Carolina to run the federal government, do you think? is it? I mean, how many details are there to running it? Now, history has taught us, and it's a very hard lesson to learn. History has taught us that change does not come from the top. Most of the times it does not. You got to force the people, and I don't even want to call them leaders anymore. I don't see any leadership at the moment on either side. Well, the, on the Democrat side, yeah, I see leaders, but they're they're tyrants. They're totalitarians. They're, they're communists. So, I, you know, they don't get any accolades from me. And on the Republican side, we don't have any. You know, we got Cocaine Mitch in the Senate, and his his primary I, I, the thing he specializes in is vapor locking in front of the, in front of the cameras. And right now, we got nobody on the Republican side in the House. So we got to force these people to take action, incremental or huge, whichever it is. We've got to get them going in the right direction. We got to gather momentum and keep them going in the right direction. Uh, if we're going to do anything about this, because otherwise, maybe in our lifetimes, we will get to a point where the music stops. And then what? Then what? When there's no fuel to fuel the trucks, when there's nobody to pay for this, and there's nobody to pay for that. It'll be pandelirium. And all of you people sitting back thinking that the government's got this, well, not exactly. They don't have anything. They have no control at all. One thing they also don't get, the Democrats especially, they don't get this thing called the supply chain. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, though. But this is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Supply chain. I used to be a part of the supply chain many moons ago. I do understand the supply chain, how much fun it is. It's a lot of fun, the supply chain, because it's so simple. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Uh, I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that's your cup of tea. Here is Supply Chain 101. A producer creates goods, okay, factory, farm, whatever it is. You know. Goods then need to get to the market, which is handed, handled by shippers. So you load it on trucks or on trains, and uh, off it goes. Markets may be local, global, or anything in between, so the producer has to tailor its shipping needs for supply chain movement accordingly. Then you pick a carrier. Any company that moves goods, they select that and contract it to move the goods, and the goods are then moved. The recipient, also known as the co-signee or consignee, receives the goods. 
then they either sell or redistribute the goods in accordance with the downstream contracts of the consignee. And when the goods need to travel further along the supply chain, the consignee then becomes the shipper. And this is repeated as needed. Uh, so, like, when you see a company like Food Line, Food Line has their, uh, their, 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 their distribution center right here in Malden. They have a bunch of people dropping stuff off there, and from there it goes out on trucks from on those trucks to the individual stores, and then it makes it to you. Then, eventually the goods are available to you, the consumer. Very simple. T ten steps. But you're talking about planes, trains, trucks, ships, and even cars are all involved in the vital transport of these goods. And the problem is, is that the supply chain, as simple as it is, it is also very fragile. And it's susceptible to many things. And uh, that's where the left fails to understand that. Trucks, more than any other mode of transport, are the most involved. So whether your shipment is a small parcel that sits in a 6x8 padded envelope and goes between adjacent zip codes in a small box truck or on a full tr in a full truck load, that requires a 40-foot container that will travel by truck, train, and ship in that order, then travel again by rail to truck to get to its destination. The supply chain is very well coordinated. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the well co in the coordinated stuff. Logistics is the hard part. And this uh, this makes it harder by things from porch pirates, which, which everybody knows about, to containers, to large trailers and small delivery vehicle theft, which is a lesser known threat, but the very real and sadly frequent. But the big freight forwarders, the people who book ocean-bound and air-bound cargo to come and go overseas, are almost all exclusively foreign. So are many of the over-the-road truckers moving goods long, you know, long distances within the U.S. Shorter distances used to consolidate cargo and shipping terminals for same or in-route destinations are almost exclusively local. Routes used to consolidate and transport the freight for same and or in-route destination are called shipping lanes. And they apply to all types of this, all types of transport, though obviously they are not identical. Sometimes they become clogged, and the reasons are going to vary greatly, but the clogged is clogged, and when that happens, you, the consumer, suffers. Last week, a company named Estes was the target of a cyber attack. They may not be the name that you recognize instantly, but if you drive anywhere in the U.S. of A., you've seen their trucks. They are black with a yellow and red logo. The trailers are white with a black, yellow, and red logo. Fifth largest less-than-truck-load carrier in the United States, an LTL, with approximately $4 billion in annual revenue. Their systems have been down for four full days. Can't call them. You can't access their website. You can't track their shipments. You can't get a freight quote. You can't email them. In the shipping world, this could have been an absolute catastrophe. But the shipping world is amazingly resilient. Estes hasn't shut down. The workers are moving freight. The people are using their personal cell phones and email addresses to keep the flow of goods moving. They're upbeat and friendly and getting the job done. But the attack itself, that's very unsettling. So what if simultaneously all the shipping companies were attacked this way? What if simultaneously communication networks were attacked? What then? What are you going to do? What are you willing to do? 
And this uh, we're just talking about a cyber attack. We're not talking about them trying to get battery operated trucks. That's another fragility there. We're not talking about an EMP. We're not talking about a fuel shortage. You know. So there's many ways to it and and this is when when I've talked about how, you know, how we would deal with things in a uh, in a civil dis, dis, disorder sort of thing. Cutting off logistics is the way you kill an enemy. You don't have to go in there and fight them hand to hand. You just kill their logistics. So this attack on a major shipper, we should be looking into this. And uh, I don't really know how, uh, there's so many moving parts to this. There's really no way to make the supply chain a hardened system. But supply chains are always going to be a big target. Now, right now, the the company Estes they don't know when they're going to be fully returned to the way they normally function, but they're 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 making things happen. But you do you, do you see the fragility of all this? Uh, one of the things that happens nowadays with these, uh, especially like with these grocery stores, they don't keep. I, I, they may be able to fill the shelves twice, maybe. I'm not sure. If you work in a grocery store or one of these retail operations, I'd love to know. But I don't know how much stuff they keep on hand, but probably not more than two days. Probably not more than a day. Because when you've got a bunch of stuff in the back room, you're tying up money. And these guys are operating on a razor-thin razor thin margin after you take into consideration all of the payroll and benefits and upkeep and all the other stuff they've got to pay for so they don't want to you know they don't want to tie up any more money than they have to and, and which is a brilliant bookkeeping move and at the same time it is a horrible shortcoming so supply chains that the left does not seem to quite grasp because they're threatening the supply chain right now they're going after fossil fuel a a vehicle that was big enough to pull this kind of freight. The batteries on this are going to weigh 16,000 pounds because you need two 8,000 pound batteries. And they have a range of about 300 miles. So how long is it going to take something to get from point A to point B? What happens if you're in Denver during winter and you're pulling with two of these 16 pound, 16,000 pound batteries? It will not hold a charge in the cold weather. So they... They, they, they have no idea what they're doing right now. None whatsoever. And that's probably true in the, in the text line. It says, Bill, the Russians have taken over the American trucking company. I, that doesn't surprise me if that's true. Most of it's foreign. Most of it is foreign. Anyway. I'm, I'm I'm sort of focused today on the military to a little bit to a certain degree, and uh, one thing that uh, bugs me a great deal is the fact that during Trump's tenure, the Pentagon was never loyal to him. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D.
GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Let's go to Ron and Moore. Yes, sir. Uh, Bill. Yes, sir. I just got a quick question about a certain gun that uh, my son wants to buy. Okay. And uh, I'd like your opinion about it because sure. I'm, I'm not. Okay. It's a Ruger Mini 14 Tactical 5.56. Uh, that is a fine gun. There's nothing wrong with that gun at all. But it's always the gun they ignore when they want to ban, quote, assault weapons, end quote. So that one always that one always remains. They don't even touch it. Although it's functionally the same thing as an AR-15. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I I would, if somebody hands me one of those and says, okay, the the stuff is hitting the fan, I'd be like, okay, I'm good to go with this. I'd, I'd be happy to go out the door with that. Okay. Well, he, he, he asked me about it. And I said, I don't know. He said, man, <laughs> I, I, I think I want to get this. And uh, Well, the I gun itself is sort, of, is sort of modeled on, it's a smaller version of what the Grand was, the whole function of the way the gun operates and everything. And uh, they, they're just they just like tanks. I mean, uh, you know, getting one of those and running it, Ruger makes a very good rifle with the with the Mini. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a fine choice. All right. That is that what you needed? I don't need it. My son wants to well, get one. Well, tell him, tell him to get it, and then tell him to tell you what he thinks of it, and you call me back and tell me if I wasn't right about that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good weekend, and thank you for the call. I was just listening to that thing about Dick Butkus. I, I saw that yesterday. That I, I have been dreading this day. Uh, when I was a kid. Butkus, for some, whatever reason, he caught my my imagination. There was a point when Kellogg's used to, I think it was Kellogg's, they used to offer these 3D football cards. There was a complete set of the 3D football cards. And, of course, my father ran a Winn-Dixie store, so I was constantly in there, and I'd be on the, on the, on the aisle with the cereal looking at all of those boxes. And I was old enough to know that I could not go into all of those boxes of cereal or I would probably die. So, uh, but I, I, I eventually got the Dick Butkus 3D football card from Kellogg's. Uh, that dude was a, he, he put out a record album with him reading poetry from Shakespeare or reading stories from Shakespeare. I don't remember which it was. He put that out. I mean, he was a very articulate guy. And at the same time, he was an animal. You don't see football players like him now. His knees were so bad. I think he hurt his knee and then he got, then he developed arthritis in his knees. And even with that, he was, uh, if he could get two steps in your direction, he was going to hit you full power. And full, he was, he was small. He weighed like 245 pounds compared to today's big monster players. He was a small man. But he would hit you hard, and he got he would get penalties like uh, trying to bite the finger off of one player. Uh, uh, he was described as a guy that chewed up cement and spit out sidewalk. Truly, and we won't see the likes of him. One of the things he did that also caught my attention later on in life, as I grew up and he was out of the league and everything else, um, he he started a clinic somewhere that has to do with uh, cardiac issues. 
And he brought a lot of older football players in there to have their hearts checked out because, uh, you know, as we get older, we, we, we develop problems after our days, our heyday of playing in the NFL. But very sorry to see that guy go. He was funny, too. Get on YouTube today and go look for Dick Butkus light beer from Miller commercials. They are hilarious. When he was doing those, it was, he, he and Bubba Smith, if you remember Bubba Smith, before he was a high tower in the Police Academy movies, he was the biggest player in the NFL at one point. He weighed 295 pounds when he played. So, uh, yeah, those two guys on a, in a, in, in a light beer for Miller commercial was hilarious. <laughs> and we won't see the likes of him anytime soon. Uh, I, I think they give out an award every year called the Butkus Award for linebackers. He was a middle linebacker, and I mean, everybody feared him. And he didn't talk. He just grunted and growled. So, uh, and another icon, that's the most iconic player from my childhood that I remember to this day. Most of the other ones sort of, you know, they weren't they, they weren't very good. I mean, I was a big Minnesota Vikings fan. They never won nothing. They came close a lot of times, but they never won nothing. I don't think they've won a Super Bowl yet. So, <laughs> that's, that's a sad day when we lose Dick Butkus. Let's go to the text line right quick. All I've been reminiscing. Is it possible to listen to your show off normal program time? Yes, it is. Uh, first of all, I'm streaming on the WORD Facebook page. So if you go to the WORD Facebook page, you can not only hear it, but you can watch it as well. I know that's something everybody's just dying to do. Uh, podcast is available on the free Odyssey app and anywhere you get podcasts. Somebody asked me if I kept the Butkus card. No, I didn't. I know it'd be worth a lot of money today. On the text line, our roads can't handle the extra battery weight either. Going back to talking about the uh, supply chain, that's true. That's true. Although they could on the superhighways, but I don't know because the superhighways were designed to be able to handle armored vehicles, believe that or not. They were designed to be conduits in wartime. So that's why they're built up. That's why they're called highways little tidbit you may or may not have known. So I don't know how they would hold up to to that. Bill Dick Butkus was my dad's cousin. I never met him, but I have been to his mother's house when I was just a very small kid. That would have been that would have been phenomenal to have met him. I would have loved to have met him. That's the one guy there there's two guys that if I could meet them today, I would do it. And now unfortunately both of them are dead. I would have loved to have met Bruce Lee and I would have loved to have met Dick Butkus. And, uh, you know, the, the, I've met plenty of people that are quote, quote famous, but, uh, those two would be the ones that I would walk up and fanboy on. <laughs> There's uh, John Farnham. He's a tactical instructor. I fanboy over John all the time. There's no, uh, this is a 70 something year old man that carries five rounds of ammunition still in his body. And there's no way I'm going to get in a gunfight with him. On the text line, highway built up so they could be used as emergency runways. Lease on I-40. They have stretches that they say that. That's uh, that's why they're so straight. You have straight stretches of road for a long way to be a runway. Because landing a plane becomes really important when it runs out of gas. We'll get on to the Pentagon when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
The military is supposed to be an apolitical organization. They have one job, and they listen. They are under the thumb of the president, without a doubt. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. If that's your thing, if that's what you like, I'm wearing, I'm trying to wear a nice shirt and everything when I do this, whenever I do this. I'm trying to look my best. <laughs> Radio guy looking his best. During the Trump presidency, the Pentagon officials refused to follow orders. They all should have been fired at that moment. And then they substituted their own policy over the constitutionally ordained authority of their commander-in-chief. Once again, see my first point. They all should have been fired the first time that happened. An example of a uh, something they did was they lied about troop strength in Syria. They attempted to undermine and kill the peace initiative with the Taliban in Afghanistan. And uh, during the George Floyd riots, they wouldn't do anything about that. because, And even though they were asked to do things, all of these things, and this was gross insubordination. Now, there's this cat named James Jeffrey. He's the Deputy National Security Advisor to George W. And after the 2020 election, he revealed the Pentagon routinely misled Trump into believing the troop count in Syria was substantially lower than it was. They would get out there and tell them, I think, that it was 200, when actual, in actuality they had 900. He was also a signatory of the infamous Never Trump letter from 70 GOP security officials opposing the president. And we got this from the letter. We believe Joe Biden has the character, experience, and temperament to lead this nation. We believe he will restore the dignity of the presidency, bring Americans together, and inspire our nation to live up to its ideals. Well, right now, the only, you know, the only thing the Trump presidency has done that has been anywhere near correct is they've sent Commander the Dog away, and uh, now his body count only stands at 12. Then there was Afghanistan. Trump put together a very complicated deal so that we could leave Afghanistan, and it was not a, a suspension of hostility. What it was was they agreed not to attack each other while we were trying to get out of there by May of 2021. They also agreed not to allow foreign fighters to enter Afghanistan and use it as a staging area for attacks on America. And uh, it also called for a negotiated settlement between the Taliban and the Afghan government. And we agreed not to interfere with that. Well, uh... <laughs> Uh, you know, first of all, Mark Milley, thank goodness he's gone, uh, convinced Trump to limit the drawdown in troop strength to half that, half of the 5,000-man force extending the war into the Biden administration. This was necessary to cover up the lie that the Afghans could actually defend Afghanistan. They never could. They were never going to do it. As soon as we left, they were throwing their uniforms in the ditch. Secretary Esper said that the agreement allowed for the U.S. to support the Afghan military, and it did not. Fighting ensued, violating the agreement involving American forces, and eventually we got we lost 13 people because of it. Then, you know, and and this it, it's you know, 
We've used federal troops in the past to stop civil unrest. Going back to George Washington during the Whiskey Rebellion of 1794, the George Floyd rioting should not have been an exception. But in 2020, the Pentagon didn't want to, want to do this. And General Martin E. Dempsey, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, wrote on Twitter that America is not a battleground. Our fellow citizens are not the enemy. Another former chairman, Admiral Mike Mullen, claimed that Trump's disdain for the rights of peaceful protest would play into the hands of Americans' foreign adversaries. All of these things, all of these things have nothing to do with the military chain of command. The commander-in-chief says to Admiral Mike Mullen, do this, and he says, yes, sir. The commander-in-chief says to Martin Dempsey, do this, and he says, yes, sir. You don't get out there and start negotiating. You just follow, that's, that's the gig. Milley claimed he'd saved Americans from Trump's aggression. While Trump wanted to crack skulls, Milley in his own retelling was the voice of reason. So the last chairs of the joint, last three chairs of the Joint Chiefs found it preferable to sit back and watch us burn and ignore their mission to protect us. In 32, Herbert Hoover used the military to repel 17,000 World War veterans marching for monies they felt owed. Back then, uh, Future generals MacArthur and Patton led the troops in pushing back those guys. In 57, three years after the United States Supreme Court said segregation was unconstitutional, they had uh, Eisenhower. He resolved a situation at uh, Central High School with, uh, you know, he took control of the Arkansas National Guard and sent 1,000 U.S. Army paratroopers there. In 1992, in L.A., during the L.A. riots, 63 fatalities, 2,383 injuries. This all ended when H.W. Bush and Chairman Colin Powell turned out 10,000 first responders, including National Guardsmen and federal troops to restore order. That's all public knowledge. You can find that anywhere. So the Pentagon's active obstruction of Trump's policies and orders had mounted to a coup. So that's already happened. We have no value in an American military that will not do what its members have sworn an oath to do and what they're paid to do. And uh, that's to follow the duly elected commander-in-chief. Whoever it is, whether you like him or not, that's just the way it works. They follow right now. Right now, they follow Joe Biden. They're not even going on mission right now. They've got, they're have got they on their own mission. They're not, nobody, they answer to nobody. I'll continue going off on them later on. I'm going to talk about Pope Francis. He's gotten out of his lane. That's always fun when one of these guys gets out of their lane. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 